Glory to God, dear youth. It's so good to be today here with you. Um, believe it or not, believe it or not, it's already, what, 17 days, half a month already passed by. So time flies just quick. And it seems like every single day it goes by quicker and quicker. So, but praise the Lord. God's with us. And he has, so long as he gives us another day, it's another day to, to rejoice, another day to praise the Lord, another day to live life to its fullest potential. I heard from from the first uh, preacher that you guys have set a goal as a church to be more in prayer and reading the word of God. And I think that's so special because I really think those are the fundamentals. Those are really the basics that really empower us to, to move life, move on in life, to be effective, to be blessed, and, and to live life knowing that the Lord is pleased with what we do. I I shared a message yesterday on our youth, and I had it in my heart to share the same message here with you today, and it really touches on, uh, on the topic of prayer. Um, I don't think I need to convince any of you that we need to pray, right? You guys probably grew up as, as kids, and your parents have taught you to, to pray, how to pray, when to pray, and things like that. So I'm not here to convince you that you need prayer. I think we're beyond that. Uh, I'm not going to be here trying to show passages um, about prayer, but I, one thing I want to do is I want to, um, to challenge you guys to, uh, to pray with faith, to pray with faith. And how do I want to do that? I want to show a few passages how a man by the name of Jacob, um, one specific prayer that he prayed during his ch challenging times, where the only thing that he had uh, t it was, was this, it says, God, but you said, and literally the topic of my uh, my message today is this, but God, you said, but God, you said. Um, I want to go with each and every one of you guys through a few episodes or a few highlights in, in Jacob's life and, um, and kind of go through how, how the story started. So the story starts of, of Jacob when Rebecca, his mother, gives birth to Esau and Jacob. And if you didn't know that both these two brothers, they were twins, they, now you do, they were twins born on the same day, and the story goes that the mother, they couldn't have children, they prayed about it, and the Lord gave them children, uh, Isaac and Rebecca, they gave them children, and from the process of birth, the story goes that the mother felt something within her womb, that something's not right, so somehow she went to the Lord and, and said, what is really going on, and the Lord spoke to, to her from, even before the, the kids were, were born, the Lord said that you will have twins, and from the beginning, these two be boys that will fight against each other. Um, not only that, uh, these are two be, be two separate nations in your womb. One's going to be stronger than the other, and the younger will be um, leading, or the, or I should say, the elder will be serving the younger. And um, time came to give birth. The story goes that. When, when Esau was born, they gave him the name Esau because Esau means red. <laughs> he was probably a, a red-headed person with a lot of red. <laughs> so interesting way, if you look to the Old Testament, they gave him interesting names um, and events in their, in their life to some extent predicted how and what the name of that person was, right? Jabez was a person born in pain and the mom gave the son's name, Jabez, which really means pain. I would not want to be that child. It's like, hey, pain, 
hey, Fane, hey, Fane. I'm like, can you stop calling me Fane? It gets to you. But it's, so, it's interesting because if you take a look at the name and the destiny or, or the purpose of a, or, or, or the life of a person in the Old Testament, it was so attached to the, the meaning of the name. Take a look at that next time you, or as you go to the Old Testament, take a look at that. Names had a meaning and there's some kind of blessing associated, associated um, in life. Jacob in the same way, as he was coming out, he took Esau's heel. And the parents named him Jacob because it means someone who touched the heel. Or another, another word for that is the deceiver. And so the parents gave him the deceiver. Like, think about that growing up where your name means that you're, you're a deceiver. I wouldn't want to be that, that guy. Uh, but what was interesting, I want to turn our attention to what the Lord spoke to, um, to Rebecca and Isaac about their kids. He, the Lord spoke to them uh, the specific things that I, I, I recalled. And it said this, Genesis 25, 23. And the Lord told her, the son in your womb will become two nations from the very beginning. The two nations will be rivals. One nation will be stronger than the other. And your older son will serve the younger. So here's, here's how we see God already intervening in the life of, of Jacob. The next episode that we see descri described in the word of God was when Jacob, uh, he... He pretty much steals away the birthright of, of Esau. Um, the Bible says that Esau, and I'm putting it in my own words, is more of a uh, daddy's kind of boy, which, which was a guy who kind of liked to do things with his hands. He was a skillful hunter. He probably loved the outdoors. Um, and somehow, some way, it was visible. It was visible that the father loved Esau much better than Jacob. Jacob, on the other hand, was a mama's boy, a domestic kind of guy. He, the Bible says he was at home. <laughs> he's at home doing his things. I wouldn't be surprised he was the one doing the dishes, probably cleaning and sweeping and whatnot. Uh, not a bad thing, but just this is who he was. And, and visibly, visibly the story goes that, that uh, Rachel, or I apologize, Rebecca loved Jacob much more. Although they were, you know, both, both her sons, but visibly he was loved more by Rebecca. Eventually, e Esau didn't value his birthright. And speaking about birthrights, um, this was something given to the firstborn. And, and, and uh, it pretty much gave guarantee that the father's authority, the father's inheritance, the father's responsibilities or rights would later on be given to the firstborn son. And it was, it was something desirable. It was something desirable. And we see Jesus took this so lightly. He took this so lightly. And uh, as I said yesterday, he really, he really sold his birthright for a... Uh, how do you say krasny, uh, that red stew for krasny borscht? I mean, that's such a cheap, such a cheap value over, over, over a birthright. He just, just gave it up so quick. But that's, that really was, was what happened. The next thing that we see is Jacob stealing away not just the birthright, but the blessings, the blessing associated with, that comes from that. And it's a very dramatic, very convoluted, very very integrated story, but under direct guidance of, of Rebecca, we see that Jacob, he, he, he goes to his uh, father, disguises himself as Esau, receives the blessings from his father. And we, when Esau returns back from hunting out in the field, he comes to receive the blessing, but the father says, and there's no more. Because under the, the principles of the, uh, of the firstborn uh, blessings, you can't give it twice. Yeah, this is not something that, you know, you, you just bless every person with. 
Nor can you take it back and give it to someone else. Once it was spoken, it was meant for that person and it was something that couldn't be undone. And it was interesting too in the Old Testament, what you'll realize is a lot of times when these men of faith, men of God, they spoke certain things. It seems that God accompanied those blessings, although they were just people speaking them uh, the mouth, these kind of blessings. The, the words they spoke meant and that they had, they had way to them. And as a direct result of that, we see that Esau, he, he purposes in his heart. He was determined to kill his own brother. And for that reason, he had to, he had to flee. He had to flee. Um, I, sometimes when I read these stories, I, I kind of ask random questions. But one of those random questions was specifically about the, the relationship between Rebecca and Esau. I mean, to some extent, she kind of, she kind of did her own other son dirty, right? I wouldn't want that in relationship with, to any of you guys. But um, people a lot of say that it's not good to have favorites. So <laughs> keep that in mind in the future. But that really is, uh, Andy can probably agree with that, right? <laughs> no. Um, and what I wanted to leave or to read a little bit of the blessings, the specific blessings that Jacob had blessed him in his life. Because <clears throat> this was a blessings that I think... Jacob went on in his life and he still remembered. He remembered it enough and very specific to be able to record it in history. And he not only, I, t I believe he didn't only take it as, you know, father's wishful thinking upon his life. I do think that he took this as a direct blessing from God, although it came through, through, through his parents, through his father. And here's what it says, Genesis 27, verses 28 and 21, 29. This is how his father, Isaac, blesses Jacob says, from the dew of heaven and the riches of the earth, may God always give you abundant harvest of grain and bountiful new wine. May many nations become your servants. And may, the bow, and they, may they bow down to you. May you be the master over your brother. And may your mother's sons bow down to you. And all who curse you will be cursed. And all who bless you will be blessed. Genesis 28 verses 1 through 4. We also see... When Jacob also, or Isaac blesses Jacob on his way out, he says, So Jacob called, sorry, Isaac called Jacob, blessed him, and said, You must not marry any of the Canaanites, Canaanite women. Instead, go at once to Padan Aram, to the house of your grandfather Bethuel, and marry one of your uncle Laban's daughter. May God Almighty bless you and give you many children. May your descendants multiply and become many nations. May God pass on to you and your descendants the blessings he promised to Abraham. May you owe this land where you are now living as a foreigner. For God gave this land to Abraham. And we see, if you take a look at these words, these blessings were similar blessings that God has spoke to Abraham and to Isaac. He wasn't a Jacob. Isaac wasn't blessing Abraham just with light words. He was saying, you know, not only the blessings that I've said earlier, but these blessings that, that were spoken over your grandfather, your father, let them accompany on into your life. And here's just another moment where, where heaven and earth, or heaven and uh, spoke, God's word and promises were, were passed on to Jacob. Another moment in life was when Jacob flees to Haran. This is the moment when um, this, is, this is the moment when Rebecca instructs um, instructs Jacob to leave. And one of the things that I just want to note from here is he wouldn't know, but for 
pretty much for the next 20 years he'd be on this journey. He wouldn't come back to, to see his, his, his parents, his relatives for another 20 years. Another episode in his life was when on his journey he uh, dreamed, and if you guys remember the stairway going up to heaven, and, and he saw the angels um, going up and down. He put his head on a, on a rock as a pillow, and as he was sleeping, he dreamed of, of all these angels going up and down. There the Lord also blessed him. There the Lord also spoke to him of, of, what, he, um, of what would come. And I want to take a, a few moments to read that, Genesis 28, 13 to 15. And at the top of the stairway stood the Lord. And he said, I'm the Lord, the God of your grandfather Abraham, the God of your father Isaac. The ground you are laying on belongs to you, and I'm giving it to you and your descendants. Your descendants will be as numerous as the dust of the earth. They will spread out in all directions, to the east, to the, to the west, and to the north and south. And with you, and I will, I will be with you. I am with you, and I will protect you wherever you go. One day, I'll bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have finished everything I have given to you and I promised you and we see here that after J Jacob he wakes up he takes the oil of anointing pours it upon this rock and calls this place Bethel which really means this is a place of the Lord this is the house of the Lord um, if you're really asking you know where the church is why there's so many churches the, the name of Bethel this is where it really is coming from is, sta is stemming from which really, it really means the the house of God and so here's, here's just another instance that was special um, in, in Jacob's life. If from birth the Lord spoke through the parents, foretelling about certain things that would come, the next thing we see now, that the parents now bless him, and these young, this young man, Jacob, he receives the word of God through the parents. But then comes a moment in his life, which we just read about, that no longer is God speaking through his parents, but now the Lord begins to deal directly with, with um, Jacob himself, begins to reveal him, begins to promise him, begins to show him about the things that would come in, in the future. And I bring this up because I think in our growth with the Lord, I, I, I notice a similar thing. Talk to your parents about your own birth. I challenge you guys, go home, talk to your parents. I, I, I talk to my parents and I, I remember my, my parents were, were people who loved the Lord and they spent time in prayer they, they came to the Lord with every child. And, and there were certain things that the Lord spoke to, to them about us, even before, you know, before today, before we even got involved in ministry. And then as time passed by, now we re I received the word of the Lord through my parents, through the instruction of my parents, which is so important at our age and to, to our siblings. It's so important to, to really hear our parents out because the Lord speaks directly to us through them. Some words are, are, are life lessons, things they've gone through. Other things is something that perhaps the Lord had, had warned them years before about you and your existence and your purpose. But there comes time, and I believe in our spiritual growth, that the Lord not only wants to speak to our parents, but He wants to speak directly with us. He wants to, to show His promises to us. He wants to remind us of His plans and purposes to us. And it's interesting that through in the life of Jacob, we see really that the Lord led him to a moment of, of distress, I would say. A moment where he really doesn't know what's going on. Let's be honest, this, this guy was a domestic guy, right? He was a, a, a guy who probably was comfortable to do things at home. He was probably not as comfortable as Esau out in the fields. And here he is, he's, he's brought up out of, out of his comfort zone, sent out somewhere 
I, I, I'm pretty sure he was not very comfortable. And in this, this moment of uncomfort, a moment of distress, where the Lord begins to speak to him, the Lord begins to, to whisper him to, to him his promises. The next 20 years of his life would be, I, uh, uh, I, I call it, I, I really think they were moments where he was pretty much suffering the next, next 20 years. You would think that, you know, if you go to your relative's house, things would go well, things would, you know, everything would be perfect, you know, you'll have all the friends and everything. And that's how it was in the beginning. But, but things, things didn't, you know, things got complicated later on. And I was, I was reading, I'm going on this, uh, I challenged myself this year to read the Bible in, in, in 60 days. And I challenged some of you guys to take on that um, how challenge. It's, it's a pretty cool way to, to just kind of skim through the, all the passages. But as I was reading it, uh, Genesis 29, 13 through 14, fragments of it says this, when Jacob had told him, Laban, his uncle, his story, Laban sat there and exclaimed, you really are my own flesh and my blood. Um, and the only thing that I could comment was like, Jews are Jews and they're really no Jews. <laughs> because it, uh, what really that means is Laban's like, wow, this guy really is like, what's going on and all the deception that's going on in his life. He, he probably felt that he was probably involved in that himself too. So, yeah. And so we see the story goes on as, as Laban and, and Jacob, he, Laban welcomed Jacob pretty, pretty nicely in the beginning. He understood it was, he, he, he needed to be with them. But as next things we know that Jacob was interested, expressed interest in, in Rachel. He worked for, for Rachel for seven years only to found out, find out in the morning that it wasn't Rachel that was given to him, but Leah. So he works another seven years. And then he continues continues on for another six years. Now working his um, these years with with struggles to, to gain wealth and possessions. You know what? People began to see that the Lord was with them. The Lord was blessing him. The Lord was protecting him. The Lord was leading him and guiding him. And all the wealth that he started accumulating, the Lord was with him in that. But things also started not going so well. And uh, Jacob realized that he was no longer um, treated right by his uncle. Um, his attitude, Laban's attitude toward Jacob was, was no longer the same. Now was probably moments when they started deceiving each other. Moments when, when they probably started to compete um, with one another. And, and the Lord intervenes as well. And t take a look at this passage. Genesis 31 11 through 13 says this, Then in my dream the angel of God said to me, Jacob, and I replied, Yes, here I am. And the angel said, Look up and you will see that only the speck, streaked, speckled, and the spotted males are mating with the females of your flock. For I have seen how Laban is treating you. I'm the God who appeared to you in Bethel, the place where you anointed the pillar of stone and made your vow to me. Now get ready and leave this country and return to the land of your birth. And Genesis 31, 3. Then the Lord said to Jacob, return to the land of your father and grandfather and to your relatives there and I will be with you. I bring this up because in, in his growth, I, I don't know exactly the details of, of how, what happened. But I'm, something tells me that he probably prayed and, and brought these things before the Lord. He probably said, Lord, I'm, this is not fair. What is going on? You said you would bless me, but, but here's, here's I'm not being treated right. And somehow the Lord through a dream and once again through a different method, spoke to him and said, and now it's time to leave. Now it's time to go back. Um, go back to, 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 to your land. 
Another episode in Jacob's life was, was the moment he leaves Laban. And this is the moment when Jacob gathers all that he had, all the possessions, all the people, his children, his wives, and uh, departs. Three days later, we find out that Laban finds out about this information and begins to pursue. But God also begins to intervene there too as well. And he says, he says don't say anything good or bad. Don't speak good or, or, or any evil when you meet with them. And we see that the, the meeting that Jacob and Laban had, they dispute, but then they figure out the dispute. They, make, they come to peaceful terms, depart, and promise not to hurt each other going forward, and then they separate ways like that. Another episode in, in Jacob's life um, was when Jacob meets Esau. And this is the passage that we read today, the brother read today, Jake, Genesis 30, chapter 32 and 33. And this is a really, in my opinion, this is really a, a, a difficult moment for, for Jacob because this was a moment when Jacob was moving back home, but he knew that he would face his brother. He knew the, per, the whole reason why he was fleeing away from home was, was because of the, the mess that they created, he created uh, and the challenges to his brother. Now he had to go clean it up. Now he had to go face his brother. Uh, the Lord told him, according to what we just read, to go back home. And the Lord promises that I will be with you. But he spoke not much about Esau. He, the Lord didn't describe to him how you would meet, how you would make peaceful terms. And so... Jacob was afraid. He didn't know. He didn't know how he would come across. He didn't know what would happen. So we see him strategically separating his, what possessions he had, so that if he have, suffers harm, it wouldn't be as bad, that perhaps some of it may be spared. We see him crossing over, and we see a, a distressful moment. I think past the passage we read today in chapter 32 was really Jacob crying out to God. Here's what it says, 32 verses 9 to 12. And Jacob prayed, Oh God of my father Abraham, and God of my father Isaac, Oh Lord, you told me, return to your own land and your relatives, and you promised me I will treat you kindly. I'm not worthy of your unfailing love and faithfulness you have shown me, your, your servant. When I left home and crossed the Jordan River, I really had nothing. I owned nothing except a walking stick. Now my household is filled with two large camps. Oh Lord, please rescue me from the hand of my brother Esau. I'm afraid that he is coming to attack me along with my wives and children. But, but you promised me I will surely treat you kindly. I will multiply your descendants until they become as numerous as sands along the seashore. Too many to count. I liked seeing this. It was an emotional story. But the thing that really, I believe, I believe this is the Lord growing him. God gave him enough promises. God spoke to him enough. But he had to stand up and look at all the things that the Lord speak. And he had to get up and say, God, I'm moving in the direction where everything's telling me that I shouldn't go there because I'm anticipating trouble. But I'm going there, God, because you told me to go. God, I'm moving this direction because you told me. And friends, in our Spiritual growth, I mentioned this, that as a, a young age, as the Lord speaks to our, to our parents about us. And then the Lord speaks to us through our parents. And then the Lord begins to promise and to whisper us good things. Remember those moments when you gave your life to the Lord, man. You felt like all these promises belonged to you, right? 
You felt so good. You felt that every message is for you. You felt that, that you're on top of things and the Lord's with you. The Lord's doing miracles left and right and you begin to see how the Lord's moving your life. But then I've noticed in life the Lord begins to, to lead us a little bit further where there's even silences in our life. I really see this as a moment of silence in Jacob's life. God spoke to him prior. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to bless you. Your future is going to look great. You're going to have enough territory. But in this very moment when he sat before his fears, he really was moving on and it felt like God was silent. God didn't speak to him anything particularly in this moment. And it, it says, it, it led Jacob to a moment where he humbled himself. He bow, probably bowed down his knees and says, God, I really got nothing to really to, to present to you. And even the thing that I really have, it doesn't belong to me because you gave it to me. You gave me everything I have. I really have nothing to try to please and try to bribe you. God, I'm only moving this direction because God, you said. God, you spoke that you'll be with me. God, you said that you will be by my side. God, you promised your promises to me. God, you said you'd be kind to me. God, you said that, that, that all these great things belong would belong to me, that my, my, my inheritance would, would, would belong to me. And friends, there will be moments in your own life too where the Lord will not give you the answer that you're really seeking. He's not going to come miraculous in your way. He's not going to come with voices and, 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 and thunders and lightnings. But He'll give you enough and if you're careful enough to look at how the Lord has led you, and if you're careful enough to just stop where you're at and look at the promises, if you're, if you're, if you're diligent enough to open the Word and, and read the passage that, that He left for you, the promises, the Lord will give you exactly what you need for you to begin to believe God and take Him at His Word and say, God, I don't know what I'm doing, but you spoke. But God, you spoke to me. God, but you spoke, and I'm moving in the direction of the unknown. I'm going to step up and move forward. I don't know what I'm going to be or what I'm doing, but God, you spoke that you would be with me. God, you spoke these promises that, that you, you, you'll be by, by my side. God, you spoke to me that even if the righteous, they stumble and fall, but if they come to you and confess, that you would forgive them, and you give them the strength to rise up. Friends, uh, this is our spiritual journey and growth. As we move on into Jacob's lives or life, we see that he spent also a night of wrestling with God. And we read also where in, in his, as he fought with the Lord or, or with the men, with the Lord. I'm just going to read it. What is your name? The man asked. He replied, Jacob, your name will no longer be Jacob. The man told him, from now on you will be called Israel because you have fought with God and with men and have won. Please tell me your name, Jacob said. Why do you want, want to know my name? The man replied. Then this man, he blessed Jacob there. And I also mentioned this. There will be moments in our life where we're really going to need to battle. We're going to need to battle for, 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 our, for the blessings of the Lord. An interesting happened here, an event that happened here was Jacob's name changed. The, this man said, no longer are you Jacob, but I'm going to return or turn to you as, as Isaac, as the father of 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 many nations up ahead. And I, I think in the moments of battles, in the moments of these strong, difficult battles, I believe I've seen in my own life too, when you fight, fight hard in prayer and fasting, is where the Lord begins to change certain things that are rooted within you. I have many people come up and ask, I'm, I'm dealing with things that I can't let go of. And, and I believe these are moments of struggles for us to, 
where the Lord really presses us to really change certain things within us. There's some temptations to, that we go through. And the only way we're going to go through those moments is going to be times of battling and fasting and prayer. This is the, the, the power that, 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 that we receive from, from fasting and prayer. The very things that we'll need to, to be able to fight off those temptations. If you're struggling with, I'm going to name as they are, pornography, with addictions, with habits. Friends, there's fasting and prayer. And there's going to be a battle that you'll need to fight. There's some commitments you'll need to make before the Lord if you want to see certain things unrooted. If you want to see the Lord changing certain things specific and, and big in your life. So to so, so take upon the challenges and begin to fight. I can speak much more about, about Jacob, but I think I'm going to stop here. And I'm going to make a, some, some um, points that really the Lord touched me. And remember we spoke about sometimes God speaks to our parents about us. Then the Lord begins to speak through our parents to us. And the Lord begins to show us His promises and reminds us of His promises. Then there's moments when God speaks to us through silence. There are moments where, where as if there's you know, nothing, nothing's around. We don't feel anything. We can't see anything. But we begin to believe the promises that He already has spoken to us. And there's moments when we need to begin to, to stand on His word and to fight the battles. And we need to press in in order to receive the blessings, to receive the victory that we're in much in need of. Friends, God speaks many times and in many ways. And the author of Hebrews starts out with that, that God sp speaks in many times and in different ways. And in the old times, he spoke dominantly through prophets. But now he speaks to us through his son, Jesus Christ. The author of Hebrews in chapter 8 also reminds us of what God spoke a long time ago that he would do uh, in, during the times of Jesus. And that is God would make a new covenant with his people. And that co new covenant would be this. That I'm going to put the laws in their mouth, in their minds. I will write them on their hearts. I'm going to be their God and they will be my people. And they will no longer need to teach their neighbor, nor will they need to teach their relatives, saying, you should know the Lord. For everyone from the least to the greatest will know the Lord already. And I will forgive their wickedness and I will never again remember their sins. Friends, this is a new covenant that the Lord has made with his people in the times of Jesus up to today. Which really says this, that... That if, if in the Old Testament it was dominantly priest-led and you'd, you'd approach God through someone, through the priest. Now the times that we're living and we have access directly to God, which means that the Lord wants to deal with you personally. He's, he's going to grow us in our younger ages where He's going to speak to us through someone. But there comes a moment in time in our life where we need to begin to, to grow on our own. And I think ages like this, I think... We all begin to experience the you know, difficulties. Now we, we have moments when we, we cry out to God. And I want to, uh, I want to lead you guys and to, to leave you guys with a thought of prayer. Friends, have you noticed in, in Jacob's life, in his growth, in his growth, and in, when he no longer depended in his growth upon his parents, but now the Lord had a dealing directly with him? Have you noticed how many times Jacob says, but God, you spoke. God you promised. But God, these are the very things that you've, you've spoken to me. I want to leave you with this challenge this year in your um, commitments that you have made this year to, to pray and to read the Bible. Would you be willing to take scripture into your prayer life? Would you be willing to take scripture into your prayer life and believe God prayerfully for the things uh, that the scripture already tells us? Friends, if you're, here's practically what I mean. Perhaps some of you guys are, are praying that 
Lord, baptize me with the Holy Spirit. I see my friends being baptized. I see the power of God coming to people. Maybe you're praying for, for that. I think there's a tendency for us and we get used to, oh, I'm going to wait till camp and then we're going to have some powerful prayer. Oh, we're going to invite some guests that is known through whom God, you know, moves. And I'm just going to wait for that service to come up to church and be perhaps that man's going to touch me and I'm going to be baptized in the Holy, Holy Spirit. Or perhaps, you know, our church is going to be hosting a, a day where we're going to be praying for the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost sometime in April or May. And, and let's just wait for the moment to baptize the Holy Spirit. Friend, I want to challenge you that you don't need to wait for those moments. The Lord has a dealing with you and He wants to strengthen your faith personally. And so if you're believing, you're praying for God for baptism of the Holy Spirit. Friends, you have scripture that you can take in your prayer room and says, God, but you spoke in your word that this, bow, this, this, this power and this anointing and this gift belongs to me, Lord. Friends, take a look at Acts chapter 2, verse 39. I'm going to direct, read it directly as it is. It says this. The promise is for you, to your children, and to those far off, and all who have been called by the Lord our Christ, our God. This is talking about baptism of the Holy Spirit. Friend, this is a promise. It says, this is the promise that belongs to you. Which means, which means that if you're praying and, and you, see, you see nothing, begin praying, begin intervening and said, but God, I don't know how it's going to happen, but you said... This is a promise that belongs to me. If you have a tendency to, you know, sit at home, watch dishes, and, you know, play a show in the back, turn off that TV and begin, begin praying while you're washing dishes and say, Lord, but you spoke. But you spoke. Friend, when I hear testimonies like this, when people get baptized with the Holy Spirit in moments like that, I think the, my faith increases even more. And, and the people who get baptized, their faith I see get increased even more. Why? Because... The Lord has a dealing directly with us. He wants to, us to press in. He wants us to begin to believe His Word. Friends, in, in our prayer life, I think we have a tendency to be so reactive. Oh, God bless me with this, God this, God this. Do you want to see God beginning to move in your prayer life? Begin taking those promises that He already has spoken and they belong to you. And begin to say, God, but you said. You said this you would do to us and to our generation. God, but you said that in the last day you would pour out your spirit upon all flesh, young and old. And there will be dreams and there will be prophecies and there will be visions. And there will be miracles and signs and wonders. Not that that's the most important thing. But God, we believe in this time for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. That it wasn't just for a generation back then, but it is for us today. And you can stand and you pray and begin to believe those promises of God. Friends, approve Come approach prayer, your prayer room with faith. Let's talk a little bit about faith. Oftentimes we misunderstand faith to be as wishful thinking. Oh, I'm going to name something, I'm going to claim it, and I'm just going to go after it, but God, you better give it to me because I believe I, I kind of want this thing. You know, you can be really disappointed in that because it's, it's more of a wishful thinking. I want something, I, I pursue it. But friends, at the core of faith needs to be a word that we hinge on. At the core of faith, uh, faith needs to be a word that we hinge on. Take a look at the men of faith. What did Abraham believe? He believed the word of God that God spoke to him. Even though things were completely against nature, so to speak. God said, you will have a son. And he believed him. God said, take the son upon the mountain. And he sat there with his knife about to kill his own son. But deep in his heart, he knew that even from the dead, God would be able to rise up. Because God spoke to him a word. Friend, he's already spoken to us. We have his word. 
So take that word and put it to your apply it to your prayer life. I'm not here to convince you that you need to pray. I think we're beyond this moment. I think you guys probably have been convinced probably from a young age that prayer is effective, it works, and it's a way to communicate with God. If you want to grow in your prayer life, begin believing God and take Him at His word and say, God, but you've spoken to me. But God, you said. Perhaps some of you guys are here, sitting here, and you're fighting temptation, and there's, it, it, it feels like it's overtaking you. Go back to the book of, uh, of 1 Corinthians. Go back and take this passage that says this. That temptation in your life are no different from other, other people are experiencing. In other words, everybody's going through temptations. But God is faithful. He's not going to allow you to be tempted more than you can handle. You are temp when you're tempted, he's going to show you a way to endure it. Which really means says, hey, if you're feeling the temptation so strong that you can't resist, go back into your prayer room and take that passage and say, God, but you said you'll help me find a way out. And when you really don't see a way to out of that temptation, just say, but God, you said. But God, take me out of this because you said. I have no strength of my own to, 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 to battle this temptation. But take that passage and say, God, you said. God, you said you're going to help me find a way out. And you wait on the Lord. And the Lord is faithful to his words. And God will provide a way out. God will give you the strength because he's faithful to his words. He stands behind his word and he's going to see that he words, his word comes to, comes to fulfillment. Perhaps some of you guys are filled with anxiety, with, with challenges, with, with weir weirdness. Friends, it's not something new under the sun, right? Like everybody went through that. Take a look at Peter. And he says this, cast your anxieties upon him. Or Jesus, take a look at what Jesus speaks in Matthew chapter 11, 28 to 30. Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take the yoke upon me. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle heart. You'll find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Friends, this really tells me that you have weight and anxieties and fears in your heart that you're carrying. You can take this passage and bring it before the Lord and say, God, I'm heavy hearted right now. I have challenges. I, 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 I get cold sweats and panic attacks. But you said your burden is light. God, but you said you can cause me to have freedom and rest, not just physically, but rest to my own soul. Friends, you can take this passage into, into your prayer life and begin praying that passage and say, God, but you said. God, I don't, God, I don't see how, how I can have a way out of this. But God, you said that you would give me rest. Perhaps you're sitting there and thinking about, I have no purpose in life. I'm a mistake and life's a mistake. Friend, go back to the passage that says that you were delicately made in your womb. Every cell was formed very, very intentional and with purpose and with meaning. And go pray that prayer and say, God, but you said, you said that I am known by you. You called me by name before my mom gave me birth there. Even before she, I was in the womb, you already knew of me. Take that passage and allow God to minister through that passage because he stands behind those, that passage. Perhaps you have friends and, and, and then people that you're praying for ministering on behalf of their salvation. Friends, go back and take scripture and say, Lord, but you said I can pray for, for, for my brother and sister. I can carry their weight. And you said you'd help me in, in that. Take those passages in your prayer life. Friends, I want to challenge you guys to a faith type of prayer. 
Not just a prayer of a wishful thinking, wishful wants, but a prayer that comes in and begins to believe Scripture and begins taking Scripture into our prayer life and say, God, we believe. We believe again that you can do great things. We believe again for miracles. We believe again for the power of the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts. God, we again believe that you can do something in our generation and our time. I, don't, I think if we were to go through all the promises written of the Bible, I think all of our questions would probably be answered or we would have something to stand on in every aspect of life. So go back into your reading plan. Go back and integrate them into your prayer, uh, prayer life. This year... One more, one more thought. Perhaps some of you guys have received prophetic word and, and you're waiting upon something. Friend, take, take that word of God as well and stand on that and say, God, but you spoke to me. But you, God, you spoke to me through, through, through the prophetic word in whatever manner it was. Uh, at the state level, we've, uh, and I've shared this last couple Sundays ago here at the pulpit, that we've made a decision with the youth ministries uh, to declare this year be your year of prayer and we're joining and believing for four things we're praying for salvation our prayer is that the youth and young adults would know the lord we're praying for a revival and we're praying for the outpour of the holy spirit and that the local youth and young adults we're praying for leadership that god would raise up and equip many young leaders and we're praying for unity that the body of christ would be united and we have scripture for all those passages and we standing on the promises and we're believing that god will be doing these things this year i want to invite you all to a prayer and to wrap up a service but I don't, I don't want it just to be a prayer. Feel free to, to rise up. Um, feel free to rise up. Um, I, don't, I don't want us to just come to normal, just, just to pray and say, oh, God, thank you for my mom and dad. I mean, those are great things. Thank you for the food that we have. Friends, I want you to really touch and poke at those sensitive spots in your life. Poke at them. Be honest before the Lord. Begin poking at them and say, God, I don't know how to deal with this. I want to get raw with you, honest with myself. And, and, and if there's a scripture that comes to mind that you're standing on, begin to believe that scripture. And if there's nothing that you're, you're standing on, I want to challenge you to go home and take, take scripture and see what the Lord speaks about what, what you're dealing with. And when you find it, go back into your prayer room and begin standing on that passage. And you say, God, but you said, but you said, God, but you said, God, that you'd forgive me. And if you're dealing with certain you know, insecurities. You're not sure if the Lord forgave you or not. Go take the passage that says that when I confess my sins, that God, He is faithful and just to forgive us of all my sins. I don't need to go do certain things, but I can believe and I can confess my sins and the Lord, He's faithful. And He's going to give you the security. The security so you don't fear about your salvation, but you can have the confidence that He saved you, that He's given you life, that He can give you hope and a future up ahead. Let's pray. Um, is that okay if we have an open altar? If there's anybody that needs prayer, whatever it may be, I believe there's leaders here that's willing to pray for you. Feel free to come to the, uh, come to the forward. Not like we do anything, but we're believing God that he can touch each and change certain situations in our life.